Welcome to Rolling the Dice. This is Marina, Johanna, Julianne, and Frida. Okay, so um, <laughs> this is our episode about the motherland. Um, what is a motherland? <laughs> our respective motherlands. Um, what is a motherland? Where our, where our parents are from or where our parents immigrated from or I guess Marina where... immigrated herself. And then, um, yeah, so we should go around and talk about where our home, homeland, motherland is and introduce. Okay. <laughs> you go first. Yeah. Okay. Um, so my parents immigrated to California from India, um, specifically South India, um, more specifically uh, Tamil Nadu. And yeah, th- that is where I normally go when we visit India. I go to Tamil Nadu and Karnataka, which are two southern states. And yeah, I speak Tamil. Do you want to like give a very, very um... brief description? Brief description of the difference between North and South? Um, well, I guess each there's like... 20 plus states in India and each state tends to have its own like identity often its own language food clothes and um, more generally the north is like mostly speaks Hindi and has a more cohesive culture than the south which is tends to be more sporadic in that there each state has its own distinct language and um, stuff but the food is pretty similar in the south and yeah, this, I guess when you think about India, most people think about the north. That's like the naan, the butter chicken. Um, people don't really hear about the dosa and the idli from the south. Um, so, yeah, most of your, like, images about India are from the north, like the Taj Mahal and everything. But um, other than that, it's just mainly culture, and it's, like, very distinct. And it's, like, hard to explain without, like, having more time and, like, the capacity to, like, truly have a conversation about it but yes there are significant differences but also obviously we are a country as well so there are similarities you go julian all righty um my parents they immigrated from the philippines more specifically um baliwag bulacan which is like a little bit north of manila i'm pretty sure um and Yes. What else do I wait? What else do I say? I forgot. Are they both in the same place? Um. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Ho, 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 ho. Why did they move to the U.S.? Um. Well, my dad—they didn't actually know each other before my dad immigrated to uh, the U.S. But like, my dad just immigrated um, just because his parents wanted to. My grandparents wanted to, and so they just went. Which. Uh, they went to Sunnyside for some reason. Like hey. that was their destination, which is a very small town near Yakima that smells like like cow poop. <laughs> it's just a great place, <laughs> and that is where they went. Um, and then after my parents went on a blind date when my dad visited the Philippines once again, uh, she eventually went along with him. But yes, I speak Tagalog. Uh. Which I feel like that is like what most Filipinos speak, but there are definitely other languages like 
Visayan and like Ilocano that other Filipinos speak. We're just going up Asia now. Okay. <laughs> we have done the South Asia and the Southeast Asia, and now we are in the East Asia. Heck yeah. yeah. Um, my parents are from Taipei, Taiwan. It is a small island that is smaller than the size of Washington, and it is east of China. And um, actually, my par- my mom's family is from Taipei, but my dad's side of the family is originally from southern Taiwan, from like Jiayi. But like, I think he moved when he was pretty young, so we're city folk. Oh, uh, let me think. Oh yeah, they speak. Um, there's like three main language groups. Um, in Taiwan, there's like Mandarin, and then there's Hakka which, like, my mom's mom's family speaks, and then there's Hokkien, which, like, 80% of Taiwan speaks, and then there's, like, I think there's 14 recognized indigenous tribes in Taiwan, and then there's, like, I don't know how many languages are amongst those. Um, I am originally from Mexico, more specifically, Mexico City. More specifically, Xochimilco. Uh, Not the restaurant. There's an actual place in Mexico City called Xochimilco, which is uh, touristy. Um, I think Xochimilco is... Shoot. I want to say it's Nahuatl, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, But it means uh, the land of the flowers or the place of the flowers. Um, And it is known for the chinampas which are like these wooden um canoe things uh i feel i'm explaining this very poorly uh but they're very like colorful and they have like an arch uh on top of them with like a name and uh and like there are chairs inside of it and stuff and you can like drink in it and like usually a lot of like americans go there and get wasted because it's cheap uh with, with like u.s dollars <laughs> Uh, but anyways, you can get, like, mariachis on there, and, like, they used to be, uh, like, really pretty, like, the canals used to be, like, the main way of traveling for, like, people, like, way, way back, uh, of, like, transporting food and stuff like that, and so the canals are, like, they have a lot of history, and they're also very touristy now, uh, and that's what Xochimilco, where I'm known, where I'm known, where I'm from, is known for, uh, and what else, uh, I speak Spanish, uh, but, I mean, obviously, like, since you guys mentioned this, I feel obligated. Well, not obligated, but I want to talk about it as well. Uh, but there are obviously a lot of tongues that are spoken in Mexico as well. Like, Spanish is the quote-unquote main language, but there are a lot of, like, Nahuatl is spoken and a lot of other tongues are spoken. Um, uh, original languages that were spoken before Spain came and colonized. Um Mexico City, I think it's one of the biggest cities in the world. I think at one point it was the biggest city in the world. I don't think it is anymore. Uh, but living there was like, a, I don't know, it was a blast. Uh, but there was obviously like things that I took for granted while I lived there. And there are obviously things that I take for granted here if I were to visit back. I'm just going to stop there. That's where I'm from. <laughs> Mexico City. Mexico City, baby. Heck yeah, boys. Wait, are all of our parents from cities? Uh, no. No. Okay, your guys' parents aren't from cities? Yeah. yeah. Mine are town folk. Mm-hmm. My, um, my 
dad grew up in a like smaller town that could still be considered a town but my mom grew up low-key in a village it was like known for like agriculture as well and like mining yes it was actually very interesting we actually have only been there once because now when we visit all our family lives in cities but yes it's, it's a very interesting town like the way it's structured um it's structured so that you have a house when you have a job so you have a oh. house corresponding to your job. And it's it's unrelated to the caste system. It's like the way the town works. And then like you're just given this house when you're like a productive citizen. And like then it like once you stop working, like then you obviously live with your like children. And then they have a house when they are productive like citizens. And that's like how it keeps going. But yeah, it's like a very cute town and like everyone's very like familial like all my all these people that my mom knew from her childhood she hasn't seen since she left and then when we all went we went back for the first time in like 20 years for my mom and she was like so emotional because she was like all these people that she, like she grew up with and like like these people that like dropped everything to help her when like like there was a lot of things that happened in my mom's childhood and like like these people who were there for her when her brother died and like I don't know like all these things that like happened and like I was like finding out a lot about her when we went back but yeah that was definitely one of the most like impactful experiences Hmm. how many times have you been to India I think like six to seven I'm not like a hundred percent sure because but yeah we tend to go every two years with a few exceptions Hmm. what about the rest of you guys um I have been twice in my life uh the first one was when I was like five or six and I don't remember anything other than apparently as soon as I got off the airport I started crying because there was no air conditioning in the airport so like and I was like it's too hot in here um and then the second time was when I was like 10 question mark yeah um I mean I lived there for the first 12 years of my young life but I've only gone back since I've only gone back once since I moved here and you Johanna I think I've gone um six times oh shoot yes when starting from when I was like four but yes I went when I was four six nine twelve sixteen and nineteen do y'all have any stories to like start us off with um i guess like wait i was kind of wondering like i mean this doesn't really apply to marina because you were born there but like like the first impressions that you can remember um, i remember for me um it's like super hot <laughs> like like and also um there was like a lot more people because i think that when i was 10 I hadn't really been places outside of Yakima that, like, other than, like, Seattle. So I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) like, this place is so, like, like, dense in population. And then also, funny story, when I went to my grandma's house, like, all of my aunts live in, like, that one house that they have lived in since childhood. So, like, we went there, and I was like, well, this is kind of weird because, like, I saw, saw, saw it in pictures all the time. And then, like, my grandma... I guess my mom looks a bit different from when she was younger because, like, the last time my grandma saw her was, like, uh, when she was 
30? And then, like, she didn't see her again until she was, like, 40 or something. And then, um, <laughs> uh, she, like, looks at my mom, and then she was, like, she was, like, who's this? And then my aunts were, like, my aunts were, like, you don't, hello? Like, and then my mom was, like, hello? Don't you know who I am? And then, like, they started thinking it was, like, really funny. And then so they started to see, like, if she could guess, but then she couldn't. And then, like, uh... It's not because, like, she had, like, memory problems or anything. It's just, like, I don't know. She just didn't think that my mom would come or something. Um, And then (laughs) she saw my dad. And then apparently my dad hasn't changed in, like, 10 years because, like, she saw my dad. And then, like, my mom was like, well, then who's this guy? And then she was like, that's Florencio. Like, she recognized him immediately. (laughs) So, like, I just thought it was funny. (laughs) And then, like, yes, I just remember I was, like, from that point on, I was like, oh, these people are kind of chaotic. And indeed, my my mom's family is very chaotic. <laughs> Wait, well, what, what were y'all's first impressions of coming there? Actually, I could go because even though, like, obviously I lived there and whatnot, after I moved here, I hadn't gone to Mexico in, like, six or seven years. And I feel like I was, like, like, my family missed all of, like, my growth because, like, I left when I was, like, 12 and I didn't come back till I was, like, 17. And I feel like that age like those like those ages are like very pivotal like you changed a lot um but anyways that's unrelated uh this is just like a funny like side note I just remember that everything and this would happen to me too when I would come to the U.S. for the summer and then go back uh everything looks so small <laughs> and I think it's because like a lot of like a lot of things in America <laughs> this is gonna sound funny a lot of things in America are like high I don't know if like you guys like have that as well but like I feel like like beds and like desks and like furniture is like really tall or maybe it's just because like what we had in Mexico was like old but I just remember like thinking or maybe I just got taller (laughs) (laughs) wait no because even when I'd be gone for like a summer I'd go back to Mexico and I'd be like why is everything here so short like I just feel like everything was like so like close to the floor (laughs) yeah no that's just like an irrelevant side note but that was one of like my first kind of impressions, yeah. Um, I think I think I don't remember much from like the very early times that I went, but I think like I think I have like a lot of very good childhood memories there. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, I think it was always like a very like fun like I always associated it with fun and like friendly warmth and good vibes, I guess. Um but I think, like, it's interesting because I think, like, because when you're a kid, you only see, like, certain things. So, like, I think I definitely, like, romanticized it a lot when I was younger. And I think it was also because, like, um, my family, like, took a lot of, my family in Taiwan, which is, like, my mom's family, they took a lot of effort to, like, make, make sure that I had fun there, like, when I went. Because we would only see each other, like, once every few years. I think it's, like, interesting to have, like a relationship with people that you only see once every few years and you're like tied to them no matter what but like but like it's just weird something that I was thinking about is uh it's like interesting because I've I've been on both sides of the spectrum so like I know what it's like from both sides kind of um but something that I think is interesting is how your relatives who live in the motherland like see you uh and what like you symbolize in the family because like uh at least for like in Mexico it's like like if you live in the U.S. like your relatives just know that you have money 
uh, or like mm. at least you have like more money than them or that you're doing like better than them or like you're just like there's like this I feel like there's a lot of like conflict because like I grew up in Mexico obviously and um like I feel like once you move it's like a constant like tug of war because it's like when you live in the U.S., the first thing you're seen as is whatever ethnicity you are. But when you are like in your motherland, you're often seen as like a like in my case would be like a gringa or like an American, and like it's cra- it's like wild because you never truly fully fit in in either. Because like I may may have fit out once when I lived in Mexico, but not anymore. Right? Because I'm like Americanized. Um, but it's just like interesting thinking about like I remember when I was little we had like relatives that lived in Texas and I just always thought that like I feel like from the way like we're brought up like viewing America like the entire world I just immediately assumed that they were like more educated and had more money and like everything because they were Americans and yeah I just feel like and honestly uh something that like shattered my heart a bit was that I hadn't gone back to Mexico in like six years like and then the first time I went like like every memory that I had there was still very fresh in my mind and like nothing had changed to me like my relationships to like everybody there hadn't changed in my head and like it had been six years and I was still like super attached to everybody because like that's my family that's like who I grew up with that's why I was like 24 who I was with like almost 24 7 and I remember like when I moved, I was expecting, like, <laughs> a lot of, like, my cousins to be, like, oh, my gosh, like, you're back, like, dude, we haven't seen you in forever, or, like, relatives just to be like that, but I noticed that I was just seen as, like, the, oh, yeah, it's that American cousin that moved a while back, hey, how's it going, cool, all right, bye, and, like, there was that separation of you're no longer, you no longer belong, you're no longer in the loop, and I think that made me really, 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 really sad, but it was also, like, a good closure for me, because, like Johanna mentioned, like, I tended to over-romanticize my childhood there. And uh, honestly, like, I didn't realize until later on that it wasn't so much that I romanticized Mexico. But it's just because I immediately associated Mexico with my childhood. And I romanticized my childhood because, obviously, like, childhood innocence is, like, the best. And, like, I just associated with that with Mexico. So I always, like, longed to go back home. And, like, I was, like, everything's better back home. Like, I just don't want to be here, blah, 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 blah. And then I went and realized that, like everyone had moved on and like obviously it was like a slap in the face but it was closure for me finally because it was like okay like I can let go like it's not the same and that's okay because I have like my other not my other life but I have my life in the U.S. quote-unquote now Hmm. yeah I think like I can relate to some degree romanticizing like the time you spent there in the past I think like for me I will always associate it with like my grandma like making me food and then like like waking up in the morning and watching cartoons in mandarin and like watching pokemon and like tom and jerry in chinese and then like i don't know having sleepovers with my cousins and playing like card games under covers and stuff like that and just like also like my i think like the most connected i am to my family is in taiwan like my grandma's side of the family so like my mom's mom is like very extended and they're like very like interwoven So I remember, like, even when I would go to, like, my great-grandma's house in the countryside. So, like, my great-grandma has, like, I think she has, like, oh, my God, I forgot. I think she has seven kids. All of them have their families. And then we would, like, all meet up. And then we would play, like, like, 
funny childhood games. It's a lot of like good memories. Um, but I think it was also because it was like associated with like my innocence. I don't know. I guess for me, especially like last year when I went back, when like right before I turned 20, it was like really, really different. Um, because like my grandpa is like, he has like dementia and he's like not healthy. So everyone is in the family is stressed like all the time. He's like the grandparent that I'm like the closest to because like um, when I was young, he like came to America to take care of me when my mom like wasn't doing well. And then also like when I was younger, um, he would like take me on walks on like the rooftop of the subway station or he would like bring me to the community center to play ping pong and stuff like that. But like now he can't even like walk on his own. And it's just like a really weird feeling. And it's, like, even worse, I guess, for, like, my uncles and my mom because, like, that's their dad. Um, But I guess, like, yeah, there's just, like, so much tension. Also, like, um, last July, my great-grandma passed away. So, like, the house that I mentioned, all the extended family. To some degree, like, the only reason we would all gather there was because of my great-grandma because she was, like, the one thing that held us all together. So, like, in in a way, I feel like... Well, first of all, like, after she passed away, like, the house was sold and all the land was sold. So, like, I will never be able to, like, return to that house that I associate, like, the good memories with. And also, like, I will probably never see some of those extended family members that I had, like, such good times with in the past. And I think that's, like, a very, like, sobering realization to come to. It's just, like, those things only exist in the past. That also just, like, seeing just, like, the parallels between what you've experienced and what I've experienced just make me think to just like family cycles and just human life like what it's like like the one elder person that brings the entire family together it's like the exact same with my dad's side of the family too like everyone always gets together at my grandma's house and like also like I related to like the tenseness I don't think that's a word but um Because, like, the only reason why my mom was so desperate to go to Mexico when we did go was because my grandpa was dying. And she wanted me to be able to see him one last time. So I didn't go and, like, I didn't go back home in, like, the best scenario possible, too. So it, like, affected. I'm sure that that it took it till. I just remember, like, up to that point in my life, I had never really felt, like, overwhelmed. Like, properly overwhelmed. But I remember I was, like when we got there, like, my mom kept asking me, she goes, does everything look different? What do you think? And I was, like, I feel like I thought about home so much that nothing looked different. Like, I was just still really fresh in my memory. So I was, like, no, no. And I was, like, really chill. And I was, like, oh, okay, this is, like, cool. Like, I, I'm not as overwhelmed as I thought I was going to be. And then um, when we got to my grandparents' house, uh, and I just saw how, like, similar, like, everything was the same, but also not. Uh, and then I just remember, like, saying hello to my cousins and everything and then seeing my grandpa and like because I hadn't obviously I hadn't seen him in a really long time but like and obviously like cancer already started to like deteriorate him so like the first time I saw him after like eight years was when he was like in an ill like when he was ill like I just remember like I was like I said hi to him and I hugged him and then I was like talking to my grandma for a second I was like oh I need to go to the bathroom (laughs) but I just remember like going inside the bathroom and just like bawling my eyes out just because like it was just so much all at once and like up to like building up to that moment like all those eight years like all I ever thought about like every time I just wanted to think of something happy or every time I just wanted an escape or every time I just wanted to like 
I, I just longed for home and like I just like continuously thought about going home and like that moment building up to that I was just like so overwhelmed because it had been like six or seven years at that point that I hadn't been back home and it's just like it was like a slap in the face because it was like oh like it's not really home anymore it's gonna be a sad one wait I sometimes think about that with my parents like at what point did they feel like America was home Hmm. and then I feel like something that I think about a lot is that uh when I went back well like when I went there uh when I was like 10 um like the like the family relationships were so like uh like everyone was so close like even when my mom came back like it was like no time had passed like uh they were talking and like very lively the entire time and then it kind of made me just think about like because like here we don't really have any family like in Washington and like I guess also I don't know I just like never experienced having like a family outside of my immediate family so it kind of made me like uh like like I was like oh <laughs> this is how it's like to be like very I don't know how to describe it it was just like very weird to like experience and then like I also think that like it's weird to experience for my parents like going from like not having any family around to like being surrounded by their family I don't know is just a weird thing no i i think i know what you mean because like i don't know if a lot of people realize this but i think like especially for like us because all of us all of our parents ended up in yakima so like being an immigrant in a place like yakima is like an extremely isolating experience and i think like like yeah obviously me like a second generation like taiwanese american person experienced like some sort of like like alienation or like chafing with the rest of the people in the community but I can't like imagine like how much worse it was for like my parents who like I don't know they just like they aren't from somewhere like this like I was at least like born in Yakima and I like grew up there so I like knew the context and like I I didn't really know what outside of like what living outside of Yakima meant whereas they went from somewhere where they had like everyone to where somewhere where they had no one I was just gonna say um I feel like that was an excellent transition because I was literally thinking about how um, when you're like in your quote unquote motherland, it's like your whole, everyone's like your whole family's there. It's like very rare where like entire families or chunks of families migrate to a certain area, I feel like. So most of the time it's just like one part of the family. And like, uh, I don't know about like uh, the culture that you guys are from, but like for Mexican culture like family is like everything uh so that so going from like being around my family like 24 7 and like being around especially because my mom like owned a school in Mexico I'm trying so hard to stop saying like so much and it's so hard (laughs) um but um like ugh, my mom owned a public a private school in in Mexico and so I grew up with the same kids too so even I had a close like tight family like close family bonds and I also had like childhood bonds so going from having all of that to not knowing the language not knowing the culture and not knowing anybody it was oh man like I feel like I navigated it really well but it's I don't have the words to express like the alienation that you feel like on to touch on Johanna's point um it's just so hard like and you try so hard to like assimilate and relate to like 
fit in because I mean that's human nature you need to fit in for, to survive right whatever but um I think that's one of the parts that like hurts the most like, I'm, I'm glad we're like uh touching on this area because I never thought about it but like yeah most of the people who migrate migrate in like small families and you leave you leave not only your culture your your world your home everything behind but you but you leave your family behind and it's just like going back to the point of you never like there's your family and you belong in but you're never like there all the time you're just seen as like the oh the americans who like the american side of our family who comes and like visits like uh my uncle who like teaches me how to play the guitar uh my little cousin there loves saying hi to me even though I met her like I knew her only when she was a baby like I remember like being there when she was just a little baby now she's like 10 years old I think which is crazy to think about um but my uncle was like she actually gets really excited to talk to you because she likes knowing that she has family in other parts of the world and like stuff like that I know it like comes from not a bad place but it just feels like a slap in the face because like it's just a reminder that okay, you may have been born here and lived here for the first 12 years of your life, but you're seen as an American now. Uh, and so, yeah, I feel like losing, like, family, it's, like, the hardest, like, to this day, like, I still, like, simp so hard. Like, I've been simping so hard about just, like, missing, like, being able to go to parties and weddings or just hang out with your cousins. And, like, I, I just miss that so much, so much. And if it was hard for me, I know that it was triple as hard for my mom who had like who had to leave her parents behind who had to leave her business behind who had to leave all her friends behind her family behind like if it was hard for me who I was just a child so like my social network wasn't exactly uh massive like I can't even imagine what it was and I know like I know it was really hard for my mom um I was actually going to say that I think my parents had just a slightly different well, like, at least my dad, because my dad already lived here and had, like, an established group of college friends that had all moved from, like, similar areas from where he grew up, who all went to the same college, who all ended up settling in the Bay Area. And so, like, he had a very extensive system, uh, uh, support system, because when he, he, he was the first one who got married in his friend group, and I was the first child in the friend group, and since my mom... uh left the Bay Area to do residency when I was a child like I would be taken care of by this extensive like college friend group community and like um they're like they eventually all got married and had kids so like it was like very com communal when we lived there in the Bay Area so yeah my, my parents definitely had a community I feel like it was probably hard for my mom because she she those weren't her friends necessarily but um, she also, like, found a community within them. And we still, like, we go to the Bay Area and see these, like, college friends. And some, my dad still, like, talks to them. They still sometimes call me to wish me happy birthday, even though it's been, like, 15 years since we've moved to Yakima. And then another thing is that when we w did move to Yakima, like, I remember that we found other Indian people here and that we, like, made efforts and, like, we had, like, these Indian community parties. And so I honestly feel that my parents have a very strong um, community here. And, like, it's been evident that they've been there for us in, like, certain situations in the past. So, like, I feel like for them, at least, they're, like, happy here. Like, I truly do think, like, they're happy with their community. That That's just, like, my little perspective with, like, how my parents immigrated. We could transition into language, like, barriers and, like, the experience with language 
Language. 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 Um, <laughs> I feel like when I was a young girl, I I didn't really I understood the Galog, but like I didn't know how to speak it at all. And so, but then all of my relatives low key thought that like I just didn't know Tagalog at all. So then uh, they would just speak in English with me. But then, but then they would like, and I don't like understood what they were saying. So it was kind of funny. But afterwards, they would be like, I the amount of times I heard this phrase was like actually crazy. Like they would say in Tagalog that like their nose was bleeding, which is like a saying that like they were tired of speaking English because like. Like, their head hurt from speaking English too much. So then by the end, like, people didn't really talk to me as much because they, like, didn't want to speak to me in Tagalog for some reason, even though I understood. But then they also didn't want to speak English because it was, like, hard on them, which is understandable. I don't expect them to, like, uh, speak English to me. But, um, yes. So I guess that was my main language barrier. I um, I also experienced that. Um when I was actually a child, I spoke English, like, Tamil very fluently because my grandmother, like, basically brought me up when um, my mom was doing residency in Philadelphia, and it was just me and my dad. So my grandmother brought me up, and I had, I spoke very good Tamil because she only spoke Tamil. But then, obviously, I lost it as I went to school and got older, and now when I go back, like, my family feels obligated to speak to me in English, even though I understand, like, Tamil completely. I just struggle to, like, formulate thoughts as quickly in Tamil even though I can still speak it's just very slow and I like will stumble over the proper like conjugation based on whether I'm talking to like an adult or a child and I often use like I I tend to like go for like the adult conjugation so I like talk to people younger than me with respect (laughs) 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 yeah and then like I can you're like, to like, <laughs> like, like a yeah. baby, like a three month old. Yeah. Like honored elder. <laughs> yeah. And then like another thing that I realized is like when like we had this specific um, last time we went back, we went with like a lot of our cousins came. So it was more than normal. And like they all got to hang out like after dark, after like we had finished dinner and like finished hanging out, all the adults went to sleep and like all of them were like my age and or a little bit older and they were all able to go out and I wasn't like allowed to go with them not because I was a girl though because there were other girl cousins but for some reason I just me wasn't allowed to hang out with them damn they hated you wait no it was it was my mom's decision my mom was like you cannot go and I was like oh Mm. but I want to be friends with them. But yeah, they would like, like, they would try very hard to speak in English. And I would com- like repeatedly tell them, like, don't worry about it. Speak to me in Tamil. I just might respond in English. Like, but yeah, they would keep trying with the- with English. And like, it would-, it would just hurt my heart a little bit because I'm like, you don't have to try this hard. Like, just talk to me like how you would talk to anyone else. But yeah, it honestly, it means a lot that they tried that hard. But yeah. Wait, that just reminded me one time... When I was, like, I don't remember how old I was. I was, like, on the subway with my cousin, and we were playing hand tennis. <laughs> I mean, and then obviously, obviously, this old man, like, knew I was a foreigner because I was being unruly. But then he just started, he was like, oh, are you from America? And I was like, 
I was like responding to him in Chinese, but like every time I, I was like, I understand Mandarin, but he would just keep talking to me in English. And he was like, <laughs> My son plays basketball at UC Irvine. <laughs> He's like flexing. Wait, I like actually pictured your hand out like responding like that, so I thought it was so funny. My son plays for you right there, but <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I just thought it was interesting because people always okay, so my every time I go, okay, so I'm not fluent in Mandarin, like I can definitely get by. Um I think I have I mean, I don't really know. I, I feel like for someone who didn't have, like, anyone to speak Chinese to except for my parents growing up, like, my Chinese is, like, pretty good. But, like, it's... I'm not fluent. And, like, my mom likes to pretend I am. Like, she when we go to Taiwan, she likes to pretend that I'm not a foreigner. <laughs> and, like, and then, like, I remember when I was, like, really little and I was getting a haircut. And then um, I just, like, didn't no words or whatever I just was not good at Mandarin and like um yeah the the lady like cutting my hair was talking to me I didn't know what she was saying (laughs) (laughs) it's all like the hairdresser lady was like was like telling you about like oh yeah and then just last week my husband left me with the kids (laughs) like they just left in the night and I just haven't seen them since like I've tried to contact them but it seems that they blocked me and then you as like a six-year-old were just like yeah <laughs> nice honestly i was like picturing like little johanna just like leaving with like a bald head because the lady just kept going do you want me to keep going she said yeah yeah and she just like shaves her head off her head but off, yeah honestly hair. it kind of like stresses me out because i'm like i'm like i feel like when people know that i'm a foreigner at least they will like know like have the context for why i'm like a dumb <laughs> but like when i'm like pretending i live there or whatever these people think I'm stupid for no <laughs> You're like, mom, look at what these people think of me. <laughs> um, with me, uh, the only thing that happens is like, well, obviously, like Spanish is my first language, but you know, I don't speak it much uh, because I speak in English. Like the only person I speak in Spanish to is like, my mom. Um, so like I don't use it that much. So like there are definitely, and also I have like a sixth grade education. So like my vocabulary vocabulary is like limited. Um, but uh, yeah, since I don't use it that much, like I've lost parts of it. Um, so when I went back, like the only thing that happened, <laughs> like I feel like when you go, like that's definitely like a very like shameful thing. Like that's some that, like it's something that my like relatives will certainly shame me for if I like I'm like talking and I forget like a certain word and I'm like uh and also I feel like it's just seen as like you're being stuck up because you're pretending that you don't know Spanish but in reality I'm like no seriously I don't remember this word because like I'll use it so much in English that I or like there's certain phrases that I only know how to say in English so like I'm like shoot like how do I say this in Spanish and like I feel like to someone like in Mexico it, like it like comes off as especially if you were born there it like comes off as oh, okay you think you're all gringa now you don't know Spanish and it's like no I like generally I'm trying I'm, I like forgot these words um but I remember uh one of my cousins lives in Canada now and she was helping me because like my a lot of like my relatives when I went there like were asking me a bunch of questions about like life up here and I had a I had a hard time like explaining certain things and my cousin uh who like for her like her Spanish like her Spanish is obviously like fine because she's only lived in Canada for a while and she's also older than me older than I am uh 
like I would just keep keep looking at her when I like would forget something and she would just like translate or like say it for me and I just feel so stupid and like I feel like most of my family was pretty understanding uh of like because I spoke Spanish like pretty well like obviously for the most part like I was fine but there were like certain phrases that I was like uh I don't know um I think most of my family was understanding but I definitely think I got some side eyes from some of my BS and like they were like hmm so you're forgetting Spanish now, huh? And I'm like, no, it's just certain phrases. I don't know how they translate. But yeah, that's like my only language thing. Bro, I really feel that judgment from like the ants. Oh, dude. <laughs> I'd be sweating. Like, I remember uh, I went to Iposole with like my dad and one of my aunts. And I remember I was being really awkward because I was really, really scared that I was going to forget certain words because I knew, I knew they were going to be at my throat if I forgot certain words and they were just going to be like, oh, so she thinks he's all gringa now because she's lived in the U.S. and she forgot Spanish. Uh, so like I was like sweating and I was like, uh, she asked me something and I was trying to think of like how to say it and I straight up couldn't and I just started panicking and I was like, uh, uh, um, I was like, oh, uh, and I ended up sounding like a complete D-I-C-K because I was like, I, and I just panicked and I was like, I don't know how to say it in Spanish. I don't think I don't think you would understand that if I said it. And then my aunt just like I remember <gasps> I didn't mean it like that. Though. I was so nervous because I was like she's gonna judge me because I don't know how to say this in Spanish and she's gonna be like oh she's like a gringa now like whatever. So like and I just remember like my aunt was like about to put like a spoonful of pozole in her mouth and she just like dropped it and she just stared at me and then she just grabbed her coke and like kept eye contact with me and like gulped and I was like I want to leave. <laughs> She and I was like she she puts her spoon of pozole down. She gets up and she fucking <laughs> I know, dude. I you. wish you would have. I miss her. She probably thinks so poorly of me now. Oh no. Yeah, like yeah, it's very complicated. Like it's not like very complicated, but it's just frustrating because it's like, bro, in America, like everyone sees me as a Mexican, and like here, y'all think I'm a gringa because I forget like three words in Spanish. Hmm. Hey, I really feel that about Yakima, at least. They, like, turn to you when anything, when any, especially in ASB. Oh, my God. Being one of two P- POCs oh in ASB <laughs> with something else, you know, being put in charge of the Martin Luther King base. You should talk about that, actually. Yeah, that's, I wish you would. that's very spicy. But John tried really, really hard to put me in charge of Martin Luther King. <sighs> like it's not that I didn't want to and it's not that I didn't like respect it it's just that yeah I just like there was already something I'd like signed up for and then she was like trying to like get me to like also sign up for this but yeah it was just like interesting yeah and also like you look back and like you know like the Hawaiian spirit days you realize like wow that was a mistake <laughs> and, that's a that's not it yeah and like yeah I don't know you just I was thinking about um that one time when I was in history class in high school and there was only two POCs in that class and the other kid was also Mexican and I'm pretty sure that (laughs) I'll never forget this till the day that I die uh we got to a part in the chapter where we either talked about immigration or something and like immediately like and everyone else in the class was white (laughs) like like everyone else there was only two mexicans in the class and everyone else was white and as soon as we started talking about immigration i literally just heard like the chairs like squeak and just like (laughs) like everyone looking at us and i just made eye contact with the other poc kid and i was like 
finger finger guns. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but yes, I think like transitioning back to what we were talking about. Um like here we're gonna be aware of what we look like no matter what. Um I mean, I guess it's different now that I live in Seattle because there's, like, a lot more Asian people in Seattle. But I remember, like, in Yakima, like, at least it was something that was, like, always on the back of my mind when I was in public. And I actually remember, like, when I first moved to Seattle, like, honestly, even, like, now when I walk into a room that's, like, all Asian people, I get, like, really weirded out. Oh, yeah, I as well. (laughs) I'm like, what alternate reality is this? But, um... I think it's, like, interesting, because, like, when I'm in Taiwan, I, like, nobody looks at me. I think, like, overall, even if they know that I'm, like, a, I'm, like, a second gen, they don't really, it it doesn't matter. Like, they still see me as, like, because their concept of race is different, so Mm -hmm. it's, like, interesting. They see, they still see me as, like, one of them, in a way. Mm Hmm. It's, like, interesting that they will never completely understand, like, what it means to be a POC, even though they are POC. Yeah, and I, I think, like, race is, I mean, race is obviously, like, a social, social construct. And I think, like, America is very, like, it's very America-centric. Wait, that's very true. Wait, I actually decided that I do want to say something. I hate, I hate mission trips. I think I hate mm. mission trips. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and specifically this one individual that went to India and came back and ranted about the caste system and said we should be thankful about what we have here. But honestly, America is its own caste system that we just pretend is freedom. And I really just want to like talk to her about this one day. But until that day comes, I'm going to talk about it here. Because it truly, it truly hurt me. Like It hurt me and physically still hurts me that she went to India a country that I still, like, partially consider, like, my home, you know, like, it's some tiny aspect, and um, took pictures of the garbage and decided to post that on her social media with this long-ass caption about how beautiful America is and how awful India is in, like, nicer language than that, and I don't know, it just, it's just not okay, and I feel like it's something that India and Mexico probably get a lot because I feel like there's a lot of mission trips to places that people like to think of as third world countries when truly they made it like that or like their ancestors did and they continue to because there is like 50 tons of plastic garbage sent to India every single year that we don't talk about but yes I just I just hate it I I think um, for lack of better words just neoliberalism because that's essentially like what mission trips are and like I took like a I am like technically an international studies major but um one of the classes I took we talked about neoliberalism a lot and essentially how like it was formed out of like American exceptionalism in theory it sounds like like humanitarian work like we're doing a good thing here we're developed so we need to help these people who aren't developed they need our help but like it's basically colonization, colonization yeah. yeah. But revised like the remix, the remix, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the remix, <laughs> the mixtape, yeah. I'm just like, who asked for your help? Like, why are you here, bro? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, and that's like, oh, sorry. it's like valid to like like 
um, work with these like organizations and partner with the people there. Like I do that in my club, Globe Med. Like, are we have a partner in Uganda that we like actively work with and like stay in touch with? Like, have like weekly meetings with like the people in charge and like implement projects that like are sustainable and like we we fund like the beginnings of it like the beginnings of a borehole for water the beginnings of like like sanitary pad project and like income generation all these projects that we like implement but then they run themselves with the people there and like it's just this sustainable model that's like built on partnership rather than aid and helping them Mm -hmm. is like a very important thing that's lost in mission trips a lot of the time Mm -hmm. and like there's a lot of like nuances that aren't really talked about in mission trips like you're building a house okay like what is that how who who's going to live in that house how is that resource going to be maintained Mm -hmm. and kept up and like okay, like I, I read something about like a group that painted the same church twice or something like that. And it's just like, you have to really look at like what you're doing and how it's impacting the people there rather than what it's doing for you, because that's not what it's about. Mm. Like if it's, if you do it at all, like you, I think like a lot of questions should be asked before, during and after. Yeah. That's something I think that even extends outside of like religion and like mission trips, because I think like even the Peace Corps, Like, they do a lot of humanitarian work, and I can't, like, I'm not in a place to say if it's ethical or not. Like, I guess I'm just, like, bringing this up, like, as a thought and, like, something, like, we should, I guess, like, think about not whether to, not to, like, condemn or, like, um, put on a pedestal. But, like, I think even, like, humanitarian aid or humanitarian work where we're sending, like, people, people from like uh from the west or like from america which is a global superpower um to somewhere else temporarily and i think like the temporary part is like very important i guess because like when you don't i guess part of it is like when you don't plan on like helping long term like why are you even Mm -hmm. helping in a way and I guess, like, again, like, I'm not in a place to make that judgment. I just, like, wanted to bring up the thought. And, like, this is th- also something, like, my brother and I talked about recently is, like, even, like, language learning program programs, even, like, um, like expats te- teaching English in other parts of the world, I think, could be considered neoliberalist, could be considered neocolonization, because you are, like, enforcing that English is more important. I guess, in a way. And I know, like, I'm not condemning it necessarily because I know a lot of people who have gone to other places to teach English, even for, like, a summer or even, like, I don't know. It's, like, something that's very common. And, like, even for me, like, if I were to go to another country to do work, I think, like, the only way I would be, I would feel equipped to help is through English because I have, like, like, I know English the best. There's, like, no other, like, I don't, I don't understand the culture or the language in the other countries to, like, actually help um, other than teaching English. But I think, like, it's, like, I don't know. I guess that's just something to consider that I've been thinking about recently. Because I think in the past, I've thought about, like, going to other countries. And, like, I think the easiest path um, to, like living in other countries and traveling is teaching English. Wait, but I feel like 
halfway is better than nothing, you know? Like, you are halfway, like, fluent in Mandarin, and you're you're halfway knowledgeable about the culture, and I feel like that counts so much more than someone who's completely ignorant to both of that going there. And I guess, like, that's, like, my reasoning for, like, hopefully one day, like, being a part of a medical aid trip. Like, I, that's, like, reasons I want to learn. Like, if I go to somewhere, like, a Latin American country, I want to know, like, Spanish. Because, like, what am I doing there if I don't, like, even know a little? And then if, like, when I go, if and when I go to India, like, for something like that, like, I would want to go to the South. I would want to go to Tamil Nadu so I could, like, be halfway of a help rather than someone who doesn't know anything about it. But, yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I think there's no right or wrong. I think it's definitely, like, a gray area. And I think it's just something I wish, like, more people would think about. Mm-hmm. Just because I think, like, definitely expats have some very specific um like reputations in some parts of the world like like I'm sure in the Philippines the expats have like a very specific reputation and like I just think what was I gonna say like I read a blog about a Japanese American or Japanese Canadian woman who um decided to go back to or not go back to Japan she decided to teach English in Japan and, like, she was talking about how even, like, the hiring process is extremely discriminatory and how, like, they always prioritize white people, even though she was fluent in both Japanese and English, and how, like, um, they would treat, like, Black people who are trying to teach English differently or, like, I don't know. It's just, like, whiteness, like, you can't escape, like, how whiteness is put on a pedestal no matter where you go in the world. And I think that's, like, something definitely to consider. Mm, that's so mm. true. Yeah. Um, another thing that I think is also to consider that is, like, these mission trips, a lot of time they're very religious, like, motivated, right? And, um, Christians believe, like, I'm literally just gonna state this. I don't not, I don't believe, I don't, okay, you know, yeah, just state it. Um, Christians tend to believe that you, in order to go to heaven, you have to confess and believe that Jesus is our savior and that he died for our sins. Like, that's a basic belief, like, it varies, but... So, like, with that belief system, missionaries truly believe they're helping these people by just talking to them and that that's going to make the difference in their life, you know? So I feel like that's another, like, ethical concern that, like, yeah, it's, like, it's, like, this theory and this ideology that, like, it's, like, this innate belief. So, like, how do you address something like that when they truly think, like, that is the difference, you know? Um, like that is what is saving them. So yeah, I think that's just yeah. something for to think about. I agree, and I think like there's no answers. There's definitely no concrete answers. I'm not saying like it's wrong to teach English in a foreign country, or it's wrong to go on a mission trip, or that you like the Peace Corps is not helping anyone. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying like there's like underlying implications because of how power is structured in the world. And and I guess like to reinforce the idea that you just have to like think about it and like question yourself because that's like honestly a way that you can like question the power structures and like maybe make some changes about how you how your group mission aid medical any trip affects the people if you like what we've created here today make sure to subscribe for weekly episodes and connect with us on instagram at rolling the dice podcast 